This podcast is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. We understand that some of our opinions will not be shared with many people and hope you can still bear with us in order to hear amazing Wisconsin-based stories. We are not licensed therapists or able to give legal advice by any means. Our show notes will provide all of our source materials included for each episode. Now Now on on to to the the show. Welcome back to All the Sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon, and I am here with Mims. How Hello. are you? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're better now. Um, yeah. We had a whole snafu with not knowing what was going on with our mic, and turns out you can always trace it back to kids yeah. and their nonsense. <laughs> Total nonsense. <laughs> yeah. And me, like, freaking out that there's something wrong with the computer when, mm-hmm. in reality, the plug was in the wrong place. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We're here together in person. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's a beautiful thing. Yes. It's always a lot more fun, I, I feel like. Yeah. Even when we're doing dorky things. Right. Yeah. So, we have news. <clears throat> uh... Not necessarily. All the whole Ukraine situation has been really weighing on my mind. Um, that's been, I feel like, on everybody's minds. Yeah. Just because of how uh, triggering it could be for something catastrophic to happen. So I, I was learning about this all on vacation, and I'm like, oh god, like I'm stressing. While fucking Russia's invading Ukraine yeah. and bombing them and just just the terror that's happening to these poor people. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like just attacking citizens. Yeah, like citizens is what is really heartbreaking to me because which I've talked to like my family members about, it's like I understand that sometimes war is necessary, but like they involve people that have nothing to do with anything and they lose the most yeah and that's just heart-wrenching to me it is i saw a video of a nine-year-old hiding in a bathtub under mattresses with her little dog oh god and it was heartbreaking yeah it's terrible living in like like just a subway full of people with their like pets with them with the little belongings they have and with their families and that's just nobody should be put in that situation because of angry people in high places yeah being able to be like yeah let's just attack well that that's i just feel like it today yeah it's ridiculous yeah so that's basically uh, there's other things that I, I kind of want to talk to you, but I've decided that I'm going to do a whole episode on that. So I'm going to just hold off on that right now. Okay. Um, it does have to do with the arrest of somebody that impacted our community. 
in regards to like a drug overdose so that's something that I was like was really nice to hear that somebody's being held accountable for something like that yeah interested to hear about how that all plays out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have a random fact for you Ooh, give I don't it to have me. any stories okay but okay the other day when we were walking into basketball, my son, Dalen, he's 12, he said, Mom, do you know that you walk past 35 murderers in your lifetime? What? And I said, I've already met more than that. And he's like, I'm talking about in real life. I was like, yeah. What, what other life is he is he talking about? I was like, yeah. I was talking about real life, too. <laughs> yeah. He's like, how did you meet 35 murderers already? Well, let's see. He was quite disturbed. Yeah. I mean... How did he know that, though? He knows all of the things. Like, today, the Appleton School District was on a lockdown. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh-huh. Is it working? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're, we're trying to... Like, I can hear myself in, like, some aspects, but then I can't at some other aspects of being at the mic so i don't know it only wants you to be in one spot yeah i'm like shifting i don't know if I, <laughs> I don't know if can you hear me yeah okay oh that's weird okay sorry yeah so appleton school district was on lockdown today and it had something to do with like a fight that took place yesterday uh-huh. outside of school and i said something in the car like well i'm glad you guys weren't on lockdown because the elementary kids weren't mm-hmm. and he said well there were seven fights yesterday mom holy crap how do you know that he said i know everything i knew about the lockdown before you even told me like you don't even have your phone at school where where is this information coming from yeah there's a leak you have carrier pigeons telling you stories through the day i don't know he's like an investigative reporter i love that for him he knows everything i love that i hope he does something with that yeah (laughs) he wants to be an engineer so who knows oh good for him i believe in him I had another random thought, apparently, while I was writing my story. Yeah. Do you think any killers have their own podcast? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, what if you were God, a, I hope a true crime podcast where you talk about murders, but you're a murderer? Oh, my God. Jake, my <laughs> husband, was like, do you think that... He always likes to put me in scenarios that, like, I'm... I have to make, like, a, a split decision on something that I don't <laughs> want to do that I'm horrified because it's going to save my life or his life. He's always put, would you do this if I'm about to be shot? And I'm like, I hate all of this. I don't like to be in the scenario. But anyways, he was like, could you imagine if a serial killer went after people that did podcasts on serial killers and then you were put on that list and the only way to stop it it was like some like outlandish thing and i'm like why am i always in these scenarios where i have to save somebody (laughs) or it's like something really horrific well it could happen you know i think they maybe some of them tune in to some things especially if it has something to do with them yeah i definitely i know for a fact that there's been cases that the killers have listened to the podcast or like radio stations or like something to do like because zodiac went and wrote into uh the news stations paper. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so definitely it's not yeah people join the facebook communities of podcasts they do do that yeah. yeah it's creepy the other day i was talking to the chief of police from the city of wapaka and he's very nice but he said he 
recognized my name when we were talking and I was hoping it was from employment purposes and not yeah. because you listened to the podcast. Oh yeah. My boss was like, um, maybe he listened to your podcast. <laughs> and I said, Do you think he would still want to be my friend like he is right now? Yeah. Yeah, that was be... cracking up. He's like, I don't think you said anything bad on your podcast. I'm like, you might not have caught those episodes. Then. No, yeah, we talk <laughs> shit a lot. So. Yeah. But the chief of police in Wapaka is very nice. Well, that's a good. Shout out to you, chief of police in Wapaka. Yeah. You're doing mm-hmm. the damn thing out there. Yeah. He's like, you need evidence? I'll get it right over to you. Ooh, that's nice. I love that. Yeah. Doing their job. Yeah. Doing mm-hmm. his job. Mm-hmm. Not trying to hide anything. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Yeah. So we're friends now. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so if he does listen to the podcast. We're friends now. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. If I talk bad about the police, it's not you. No, it's not you. All right. I think you're first today. I'm first. Which um, is probably good because I'm all over the place today. Yeah. Let's have you <laughs> unwind, but not really unwind because this isn't great. Because it's murder. Because it's murder. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you ready? No. Okay. <laughs> well, yes. um, I am doing the mass murder of the Breiser family. Ooh. I got my sources from AP News, W-E-A-U, as if you didn't have enough letters in that. W-E-A-U, <laughs> that's a lot. Uh, news, uh, the state versus Bruce Brenizer. I think I'm saying that, Brenizer, Breiser, Brenizer, sorry. Appeal, uh, the Chicago Tribune, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Oxygen, Mm. and Wire of Hope. So today I'm taking you back in time to April 22nd of 1991. A time before the internet was at your fingertips and the Beanie Baby craze. Do you remember that craze? I do. It was a simpler time. It was. I was eight. I didn't have a lot to worry about. I wasn't in existence yet. I wasn't even a thought. I wasn't even like a sexual encounter yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this was when Fallon was eight. Yeah. I wasn't born yet. So a simpler time. I wasn't much different. (laughs) Just crazy. (laughs) I was just smaller. Oh. And blonder. Oh, I didn't know you were blonde. I'm a blonde. Are you blonde? Yeah. I'm baffled. So we have, we're going to put this video <laughs> on our YouTube. Clearly show yourself. If you can see, I'm hiding from the video for yeah, some you reason. Are. So she, since I've met her, has black, beautiful hair. And I always thought that was natural. No, I'm naturally blonde. Wow. It doesn't fit my personality. No, it doesn't. I'd no. make you dye it. Yeah. But I- your eyebrows are dark. I uh, it's you color them it's gel brow gel oh wow damn you really commit to the look yes i like it (laughs) (laughs) otherwise i look weird well so have you ever watched park and parks and rec yeah i love that kind of reminds me of how ron the the guy with the mustache yeah he's always like you'd look you'd be better as a brunette (laughs) yeah that's totally you yeah definitely all right so the simpler time at this point did not include cushing wisconsin which is in polk county a very small and rural town it's actually right by the border wisconsin and the minnesota border which is why i'm not really familiar it's like way at the tippy 
top uh, left corner <laughs> of the state. Yes, I still do this. <laughs> I still do that. Yeah. Um. So I've never heard of this place. Have you? Yes. Oh, really? Okay. Look at you knowing things. I know where places are. Yeah, you really do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so during the, the springtime of 1991, tragedy struck the home of the Brenizer family. On April 24th, Alice Anderson, the ex-wife of Rick Brenizer, called the Polk County Sheriff's Department and reported him and their daughters that they shared together uh, to be missing. The family had gone on a trip to Minnesota on April 22nd and never came back home. So members of the Polk County Sheriff's Department searched on the ground. Oh, I'm sorry. Just the Polk uh, County and the Sheriff's Department searched on the ground and in helicopters for the Brenizers along with their 1980 station wagon as that's what they left with. Those were nice. They're big. They're big. Didn't they have like <laughs> wooden paneling too? That's what I'm picturing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's not my wooden paneling shouldn't <laughs> be a thing. <laughs> I see them in houses and I'm like, oh god. I just like, why do you want so much wood? It was a look. I don't know. Yeah, really. An eighties look. Yeah. Nothing in the eighties was attractive. No. Why is that? I have no idea. The shag, the wooden paneling. The, the shoulder pads. The shoulder. You know what? I still kind of like those. <laughs> <laughs> they make you feel like, uh, like I got more shoulder. <laughs> I'm so teeny tiny too. So <laughs> whatever, Just whatever. Makes you wider. Yeah. <laughs> I think the wide shoulders made your waist look smaller. Oh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I feel it. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, unfortunately, on May 11th, after a local fisherman found a burned-out car without a license plate in a wooded area three miles from their home, their disappearance quickly turned into a homicide investigation. Um, They also found shovels in the back of the car as well, which was a little weird because why? Since the bodies were not, uh, they weren't like, they were in the car. Really weird. Okay. Uh, so that was a shock to the residents of the Cushing, of the town of Cushing, as everyone thought this was like a sleepy little safe town that wouldn't ever feel the long, impactful effects of murder, or in this case, a mass murder. Um, it's just like not everybody, every town that's like, it's a sleepy, quiet, nothing ever happens here town, always mm-hmm. says that. And it's like the most crazy things that happen there and they're like it must be some other passerby or right people always say that about the midwest and mm-hmm. we are the home of the killers yeah in the derange yeah it's always the small towns it's yeah. like here yeah. in the pacific northwest yeah is where serial killers are bred i i understand though like bigger cities there is a lot of crime and so that makes yeah. sense but being in a rural and small town doesn't exclude the population from being or from having fucked up people. Right. There's fucked up people, whether you live in a town of one to a million. So it doesn't. Yeah. There's fucked up people everywhere. Yeah. The 
the station wagon was the vehicle that was burned to a crisp along with the remnants of human bones and death or teeth (laughs) (laughs) investigators noted that there was an adult female an adult male and three children in the vehicle the ashes and bone fragments were analyzed in madison by forensic experts with the state's crime lab Assisting them is Dr. Kenneth Bennett, a professional or professor of biological anthropology at the University of Wisconsin. The bodies were confirmed to be of Rick Brenenzer. Brenizer, I, th- I keep fucking up their last name. I'm so sorry. Uh, age 35, and his girlfriend Ruth Bernston, uh, age 31. They're um, I don't know which little girls are between them two and then which one was from the previous marriage. But there is a little girl, Mindy, who was seven, Heidi, who was 10, and Crystal, who was five, which is really heartbreaking. It is. I don't understand how anyone can do that to kids. Yeah. And as we'll talk about, it's. It the layer of who is really just it makes it a lot worse. I don't even I like I it didn't even have words right now. Um, so luckily the car and the area around it was painstakingly scrutinized for evidence by the investigators, which you know police doing yeah. their jobs, which is awesome. We love to see it. Yes, we do. Uh, Tom Smith, former deputy. Uh, of Polk County Sheriff's Department stated that they suspected arson right away as they found gas cans inside the vehicle. As if the situation wasn't horrific enough, another eerie discovery made was that no actual remains were found in the front seats, suggesting that bodies in the back of the car were transported to the site and then set on fire. Hmm. So maybe that's why the shovels were there. Maybe their original thought was i'll go and bury these people but then they're like that's way too much work right mm-hmm. could be uh forensic dentist don simley also added that some of rick's fragments showed that the presence of lead was there suggesting that rick had been shot and the bullet left trace evidence on the tooth many residents of cushing did not want to am i saying that right cushing cushing sure. I don't know. Sounds good to me. Did not want to believe that anybody from their town could be responsible for such a horrific crime as none of these people would think that they're living next door to a horrific person. Yeah. So many blamed it on a satanic cult, as they typically do. The 90s were all about everything had to do with Satan. Right. And like, how did that die off, though? Like, what made that just stop? I don't know if somebody realized it was stupid. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what made it rise up or why it went away. Yeah, exactly. Maybe we should look into that. We should. Um, or drug dealers from Minneapolis. Oh, if it's not Satan, it's got to be a drug dealer. It's got to be a drug cartel. Because drug cartels really care about killing kids in Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes no sense. No. So I have another rule. Rule number 32. More often than not, the answers are not too far away from home. Mm, More often than not. That's a good one. Thank you. 
So investigators turn to Bruce Brenenzer. Brenenzer? Brenenzer. I'm going to stick with Brenenzer. Um, Rick's 15-year-old son for more information on what could have happened to his family. He told them that his family had piled into their station wagon and headed to a building supply store in the Twin Cities area. Okay. Don't know why you need to make a whole trip for a building supplies store, but okay. Who's going to watch the kids? They took the kids. That's what I mean. They probably just all oh, went yeah. together. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, and he so happened to have stayed behind at the family's mobile home, even though his dad wanted him to go. Bruce also added that he believed that someone entered the home and searched it on April 23rd. And he also claimed a man visited the home and suggested that his father owed him money. Mm. The drug cartel guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. We're back to that. So that angle was investigated using Rick's financial records. However, nothing pointed to that theory. So mm-hmm. that was immediately just like dropped because it wasn't facts. Yeah. Uh, due to su- to some satanic graffiti in the area, investigators also went down that theory route, but they it was also a dead end as it, like there it's not that. Let's just more often than not, it's not a satanic cult, but you know it could be in some. Has places. it ever actually been a satanic cult? I don't know. Well, I think about. Do you remember that story about? Well, I guess they weren't intention. They weren't like satanic, but those little girls that like killed that other twelve-year-old girl, and they did it oh, in like the a slender man. No, no, maybe you haven't heard about this one. Maybe no. But they like killed this little girl on like a one of those things. I don't even know what to call it like a cement slab but like in the middle of the woods and it was like really horrific and Mm. a lot of people thought that was like a satanic ritual type of thing okay even though i mean they they brutalized this girl so yeah it could have i would have believed maybe that because it was like on a slab like she was tied and it was like a whole thing maybe uh so Investigators also went down that road, and um, yeah, like I said, it didn't come up with anything. So then they returned their focus to those that were close to the family. The girlfriend of Bruce's stepbrother, if you can follow that, yeah, Jesse Anderson, told authorities that she suspected that Bruce and Jesse knew more about the murders than they admitted. Hmm. So that raised some eyebrows. Detective detectives also learned that bruce had been removing items from the home including collectible coins and then selling them and he was also giving away electronic equipment to his friends which seems a little bit sus because your your entire family just died who's taking care of him at this point (laughs) so i he must they must have had shared custody between the mother who called in yeah and him and he's 15 so he probably was left to his own devices a lot of the times yeah you know um so authorities interviewed jesse anderson with his father ron uh when asked about the family jesse repeated the same story that bruce had told them but at a point jesse and his father left the room to talk to themselves Mm mm-hmm um so that also raised some eyebrows 
Right. And then they returned, and Jesse's dad said before his son said anything else, they wanted to consult a lawyer. So to me, that would be like, okay, we're on to something right now, and I think this is a good lead. And I think people should always talk to a lawyer mm-hmm. before you even say hi. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I totally agree. Um, it looks real sus when you leave in the middle of the interview to talk to the lawyer. Like, oh, yeah, we answered these questions, but now this one, that one we need a lawyer for. Mm-hmm. That makes you look even worse. Mm-hmm. Just say lawyer from the beginning. Yeah, it's a good point. Or confess if you're evil. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, on May 18th, investigators met with Jesse, his attorney, and his father at the Omri Police Department in Omri, Wisconsin. This was a monumental point for the investigators as Jesse was ready to comply and then tell them what he knows. Mm -hmm. So, Jesse told them that Bruce, who disliked his living conditions at the home, confided to him on April 21st that he planned to kill his whole family Jesse didn't believe the threat, but on April 22nd, Bruce called Jesse and said, I did it. I killed them all. Jesse then went on to give a detailed account of what Bruce told him. Bruce tied up and shot Mindy and Heidi outside the trailer first. Then Rick, Ruth, and Crystal arrived home, and he executed them one by one outside of the home. Bruce had ambushed and slaughtered the majority of his family so coldly, so cruelly, and so without, like, a second thought. And Bruce then asked Jesse to help him clean up the crime scene and dispose of the bodies. They used the shovels to clean up the blood that had pooled from the fatal gunshots. Bruce drove the bodies to the wooded area while Jesse followed in another vehicle. Quote, after Jesse's statement, a search warrant was obtained for the Alice and Ron Anderson residence in Sioux Falls. Oh, Sioux. How do you say that? Crow? Crew? St. Croix? Saint, yes. St. Croix Falls. <laughs> do I know how to say any of these towns? <laughs> like, that's my worst thing. Um, that was a statement from the de- detectives. Um, and they also searched Bruce's mother's home, in which they found a journal where the teen recorded his contempt for living with his family and his immense hatred for his father. So why don't you just go live with his mom? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you don't know, but I just had to ask. Right, yeah. I wish there was more details with the dynamic of the home. So not yeah. that it would excuse it in any way, but right. like I... It, I just want to know, like, why was it that bad? Yeah. Um, So even relatives of Ruth, which was a girlfriend, added that they thought the motive stemmed from a strained relationship between Bruce and Ruth. She had complained of friction between her, Bruce, and her younger daughters, which were also Bruce's half-sisters. Ruth's mother, Mary, in Lake Crystal, Minnesota, told reporters that her daughter told her she and the girls would be moving in with her if Rick did not order his son to move out of the trailer. So it was not good. Hmm. In April 1992, Bruce was arrested and the state charged him with five counts of first degree intentional homicide and was tried in adult court. After Bruce was charged, Jesse was informed that if he 
assisted officers in recovering evidence that he would not be taken into custody. Uh, car license plates and bone fragments matching members of the family were recovered, which, with Jesse's help, the rifle used to kill the family was re- recovered from a nearby pond. Uh, Bruce entered a guilty plea to five counts of first-degree intentional homicide, and he was subsequently found not guilty by reason of mental disease or defect on three of the counts. On the other two accounts for which Bruce accepted criminal responsibility, the circuit court imposed consecutive sentences of life imprisonment. So he was just done. Yeah. On on the remaining counts, the court ordered Bruce to be committed to the Wisconsin Department of Health and Social Services for the remainder of his life. Uh, Circuit Court Judge James Erickson ruled that the life term should be served consecutively, meaning that Bruce would not be eligible for parole for the next 27 years. Bruce made no comment during the hearing and his eyes were downward except when the judge pronounced the sentence. Still, during the trial, he did not make any statements or even explain himself fully. Psychiatrists testified that Bruce thought he was helping the girls by killing them after their mother was dead. Nothing was explained about what he meant by that, but I don't I don't know what he could have meant by that twisted thought yeah like could she have been that terrible i don't i don't know maybe but it's that's not for him to decide to just right. kill and them that's also like a child's logic you know he's 15 yeah. so his logic isn't really all there mm-hmm. no uh so they said bruce suffers from post-traumatic stress disorder because of an abusive and manipulative father who taunted him about being fat and looking like a girl and he resented and hated his father and along with the low quality condition of their home of their mobile home was another reason why but i'm like Mm. okay i hated my mother growing up and we lived in an apartment my entire life and I've never murdered anybody or her or anything like that so (laughs) (laughs) you just don't go around doing that because somebody calls you fat or ugly or gross or whatever you internalize that and do better do better I guess or leave or leave or I don't know not take that to heart even though that if it's sucks. abusive you could report it mm-hmm. tell yeah. somebody at school i mean in the 90s i don't think they really cared as much but you could have just left at 15 in the 90s without anybody really causing a fuss about it <laughs> just dip yeah um, that's always my solution yeah <laughs> i can't deal with you so i'm gonna go I'm you know to kill that's you. the high road <laughs> i think yeah so I, I so I understand the toxic relationship with his father and the vindictive reasoning behind that. Not that it's acceptable or excusable, right. but the little girls fucking all under the age of 10 is just not even related, not even on the same playing field. Yeah. Um, they were innocent. You know, they were children. They right. shouldn't have ever been involved. And I don't know how you could just hold a gun up to them, blast them like that with a, a fucking rifle. 
Yeah, I don't I don't know either. So Bruce resided at the Mendota Mental Health Institute until May 2013, at which point he was transferred to the custody of the Department of Corrections at the Dodge Correctional Institution. In 2014, Bruce filed a motion challenging the transfer, which the circuit court denied. In his appeal, he argued that the circuit court erred by denying his motion because DHS lacked authority to transfer him to the custody of DOC. The commitment ordered order states that Bruce is to be committed to DHS custody for life with placement in institutional care unless his commitment is terminated under Wisconsin statute 971.17. So as the state concedes, Bruce's commitment has not been terminated. According Accordingly, DHS lacked authority to transfer Bruce to the custody of DOC. Mm-hmm. On June 9th, 1993, the circuit court held a two-part hearing during which it first sentenced Bruce and then addressed his mental institution commitment. On the two counts of which uh, Bruce accepted criminal responsibility. Responsibility. The court imposed consecutive sentences of life imprisonment. With the respect to three remaining county, the court ordered Bruce committed to placement in institutional care at Mendota State Hospital for the for a period of his life. Ultimately, the appeals court agreed that Bruce's appeal with Bruce's appeal and said. He should not have been transferred out of the mental institution because his life sentence there had not been terminated. And his early release date from the Mendota Mental Institution is in 2023. Hmm. And they put him in a mental institution and all they said is he had was PTSD? Right. Because it seems like... That's not something that should warrant that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's more going on than they told the people. Yeah, I agree. Because how do you get mental health commitment for life mm-hmm. just for PTSD? I, I know I a lot of people with PTSD. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I They didn't... For a lot of this information, I had to dig through yeah. a lot. I, I don't know if it's because it's an older case or... Mm-hmm. I've never heard of this ever. No. Um... But I got most of my information from the appeal. So that just shows you how much coverage it got. Right. Um, Surprisingly, Oxygen had a lot of (laughs) material, too. And I'm like, "Mm." Oxygen loves murder. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to end my portion of this episode with one of Bruce's pen pal letters that was published on Wire of Hope, which is basically like a prison profile for inmates. Um, their institutions are also listed on there for replying. Um, have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah. So it's a whole, they have like profiles for anybody that wants it up there. It's like Tinder for Yeah, it's gross. I don't like it. Um, so it states on here, first of all, I don't want your money. I do not need your compassion, companionship, and caring. Love is love and the heart is doesn't discriminate i'm interested in any age race religion i'm a deep feeling and sensitive man unfortunately being locked up 
forces me to suppress these feelings. It is far too often that I must deny myself the feelings that grant me access to my greatest humanity. Boohoo. Mm-hmm. Despite the barriers to a normal relationship, I want and need someone in my life with whom it is safe to experience and share the depth of my emotions. I'm no fool. Hmm. I know someone with a life sentence and no argument, no guarantee of parole isn't a desirable companion, but I can hope. I spent the past 30 years trying to make amends for what I've done. Equal parts guilt and joy drive me to do whatever I can to alleviate the sufferings of others or preferably prevent it altogether. Unfortunately, the joy is epiphermal. I don't know that word. Good for you, though, for knowing that word. (laughs) It has nothing to do with learning. Yes, right. (laughs) And the guilt anchors me to actions that I can never make up for. I'm an intelligent man, always looking for ways to stimulate my mind. I'm always on to the next thing once a challenge or the moment is conquered. However, this doesn't apply to people. I make few friends, but those friendships are deep and abiding. You would honor me by responding to my profile. I look forward to building either a platonic friendship or an intimate romantic relationship, whatever suits us best. How do you feel about that? How do you have a romantic relationship when you're in Mendota? Do they get visitors like in prison? Oh, I, I don't, don't think that they do. I don't know. I don't know. Yikes. I was just like, why is there like a website for people that are incarcerated that's done horrific things to have like an outlet to Some meet people? people love those people. I know. I literally thought about that. I'm like, so this must be the site where everybody goes and like just looks up it's like a like a tinder for people that are fucked up that want relationships with people incarcerated. Well, I mean, because i'll show you they can't cheat on you <laughs> but, uh, that's can't. false that's false I, well i guess yeah they can certainly cheat if they have multiple people writing in and they have fiancés here and girlfriends over here well, like physically you know where they are true <laughs> yeah and they don't have anything to do except for like talk to you <laughs> that's true yeah i don't know i i can't imagine it's not like women like us no like, i really I really want to talk to somebody in a mental health facility. I would like to know the background of his situation. Of like, his specific situation? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's what I was trying to figure like, out. I really wanted to know, like, his childhood. And you should write him. Yeah. <laughs> if y'all Girl, can I don't see got the time look on her, her face. <laughs> I don't got time for that. <laughs> no. Um, but okay, so this is basically I put the link in the in the show notes so that you guys can peruse too. I hope that you don't fall in love with one of these fuckers, but it's ba- so this is how like go on to the next one. It's basically oh my you God, can swipe profile pictures yeah, up there. You can swipe and like go to the next person and then they have like bios and how to contact them, their sentence information. Like everything, it's like I said, it's like their little Tinder profile that you can just go and see if you like and correspond that way. I'm a little disturbed. I'm disturbed too, and I hate that this is a thing in life, but here we are. 
But I mean, if you are, but there's some people. If you're innocent, yeah, I guess so. Then, because I I was listening to a podcast about a guy that is wrongfully convicted. I believe he's wrongfully convicted, yeah. and somebody found out about his case and they started writing, and now they're in love. And I like their love, oh, because she's trying to get him out. Yeah, but he's innocent. He's not really a killer. He didn't kill children. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. he didn't do anything. I hope not. No, and he's not accused of killing children either. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say something else. Damn, I lost it. All right. Well, that was the wow the family massacre that happened and Cushing. It's crazy how many of these stories we've never heard about, and they're right here. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. And this was like a a rabbit hole story that I was like. I was perusing another story, and then I seen this story. I'm like, what in the hell? I love when that happens. Yeah, me too. Just fall into more and more and more stories. Yeah. So today, I am going to talk about the unsolved murder of Christine Rothschild in Madison, Wisconsin. And have you heard about this? I have not. Okay. My sources are Cal's Corner blog, and then it's longer link. I'll share the link. Okay. And the mirror.co.uk, AETV, and another blog, a weebly.com blog. And then Mark Arntfield wrote a book called Mad City about murders in Madison. So some of it came from his book as well. So, did you know that a lot of people believe that there have been a series of murders in Madison that they believe are linked to a serial killer? I can believe that, yeah. So these murders are known as the Mad City Murders or the Capital City Murders. And the first in these series of murders is the murder of Christine Rothschild. There were seven others between 1968 and 1984, and some people believe that these are all linked due to their connection to the university. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the university is a good place to find victims. Prowl. Unfortunately. Yeah. So, Christine Rothschild was a freshman at UW-Madison in the fall of 1967, having graduated from Sen High School in Chicago the previous year. She moved into Anne Emery Hall, room 119, which is on the UW-Madison campus. Have you ever been to the UW-Madison campus? No, I have not. It's nice. Yeah? Yeah. But it does seem kind of murdery. Does it? (laughs) (laughs) Yay. <laughs> I just assume people get murdered. All right. On May 26th in 1968, Christine headed out early, headed for church. Oh, Right. Damn, it, it looks big. I looked it up. Yeah, the campus is really big, and then there's student housing, like, everywhere. Nice, yeah. So, on May 26th, 1968, oh, I just said that, she headed out for church. Mm -hmm. She was seen leaving in a mini dress, black knee-high boots, and her three-quarter length beige all-winter, all-winter, all-weather jacket. She sounds like a babe. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Very stylish. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. The whole thing is, like, vibes. 
for sure. I love the late 60s, 70s fashion. Me like too. The boots and the little dresses. I still like try to bring some of those things back and then they're like, you just, you just dress so differently. And I'm like, yeah. yes, because it's cute. Yeah. Around 7.30 th- that evening, Philip Van Valkenburg arrived at Sterling Hall to meet up with a friend who was working there in the basement. So he went to knock on a lower window that was in the bushes to get his friend's attention to come outside. This was like their little thing. The guy had been working in the basement for some weeks on some projects, so he would just go knock on the window like, bro, I'm here, let me in. (laughs) That's cute. So he went to knock on the window, but when he entered the bushes, he was confronted with a horrible sight. Christine Rothschild's lifeless body. Mm. So Philip would then run around to the front of the building where he would enter and contact the campus police. Roger Gollum and Tina Frey would arrive on the scene. These campus police officers are not the ones that we want to thank. They seem to lack any training on how to manage a serious crime scene such as this. Which I guess is campus police. They probably don't normally deal with murders, so it's probably not their fault. That's a good point. Like, they're probably not trained for this type of situation. And not a lot of people... Like, I am more of a flea type of person when it comes to serious situations. My yeah. husband, on the other hand, he can sit and just be like, "How do? what do I do? That's how I am. Yeah. And not a lot of people are like that. So I can understand these untrained, mm-hmm. basically kind of civilians right. are maybe they don't do the best job. Yeah, I agree. So not only did they trample through the scene and destroy evidence, but they didn't stop anyone else from coming into the scene. Okay, but that's just kind of like common knowledge to not do those things. I feel like they were just panicked. Like, oh my God, there's a dead person. What do we do? And then everybody else was running. I just imagine like everybody running around in circles. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What are we supposed to do? Help, help, assistance. Yeah, like (laughs) you're the help. Yeah, right? (laughs) Sir, you're the help here. And they're like, oh, damn. Like the police from like Reno 911. I don't know. I, I don't, know, don't know, know what re- that is. No, I don't know the reference. It's like a, like a it's comedy a show, right? spoof show about police. Okay. Yeah. Hilarious. They don't know anything about being police. <laughs> so this is the part that was really irritating. They let the medics take her body by grabbing her by the hands and feet and running down the hill with her to the ambulance. Oh my god, I'm not I'm not laughing, I swear. Where with no covers over her or anything, just grabbed her like this and tossed her <gasps> inside of the ambulance. No gurney, no blanket, no nothing. Just literally tossed her into the ambulance. They couldn't have done any worse in this case. Who the fuck thinks that that's appropriate to do? And these are medics. Oh, so they're trained people. Yeah, supposedly. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So, according to reports, the police chief at the time, Ralph Hansen, said this would be a sight he would never forget. Hansen reported Christine had been stabbed 14 times in the chest and neck with a surgical scalpel. 
scalpel scalpel <laughs> you know what i can't i can't do any judgment i couldn't even say like say whatever that city was i don't think my typing has me all messed up scalpel okay. there you go i'm not dumb i swear <laughs> <laughs> so her head had been shattered oh god she suffered four broken ribs a broken jaw and was strangled with the lining of her coats it had been fashioned into a slip knot and her gloves were shoved down her throat oh my god why do people got to do that i whoever did this was really having some issues i was gonna say they sound really really angry and this is all in the middle of the day in broad oh. daylight on a campus oh my god I didn't right even, next to a building how didn't how didn't people like not notice what was going on that is a very good question okay that i cannot figure out hmm. he uh so he would not state if she was murdered at the scene or if she got brought there but it seems like she had been murdered there from what everybody saw he did release that there was a lot of blood at the scene and that her clothes were mostly in place but ripped and slightly askew she was also still wearing her rings which appeared to be quite valuable so they're thinking it probably wasn't a robbery right she still had her jewelry on yeah and under her head there was a bloody man's handkerchief oh gross Mm -hmm. like she was staged there like he put the handkerchief under her head oh next to her a broken umbrella was stabbed into the ground what the fuck i don't know no murder weapon was found at the scene the evidence that was collected was sent to the fbi lab for forensic testing the tests that could be conducted at the time were not able to tie anyone to the murder so the evidence was sent back to the uw madison police department and then sent to the county sheriff for storage the evidence ended up being lost so there's no evidence left to do dna testing on yeah this is one of those stories where you're just like, what the fuck? Just bash my head against did, the wall. You guys seriously did everything wrong. I don't understand how you lose evidence. Isn't there like a storage unit where it's like, this is where all the evidence stays until we officially do not need it. And I feel like you should just always have it. Yeah, I I read about so many cases or listen to these cases where like... The rats ate the evidence. There was a fire. There was a flood. This building's been abandoned for 10 years, but we still left the evidence there. Just like these atrocious stories yeah. of neglect. Right. So there's no evidence. But in 2009, the police said they had a person of interest in the case. This person was serial killer William Floyd Zamistil. He was convicted in the 1978 homicide and rape of a woman in Madison. He was also indicted for a rape and murder in Arizona in 1973. He would have been 16 at the time of Christine's murder and was living in Madison at the time. So the police have kind of said that he is the person they lean towards, but the people close to the case don't seem to think he's a killer. Hmm. Police always pick a serial killer. Like It was definitely the serial killer. It's either that or they're like, if there is a series of identical killings, there always can't be a killer or a serial killer. (laughs) Right. That's not what that is. Right. It's like, sir, how many other people do slip knots on 15 Mm. people in a row? Yeah. 
We should be police. We should. That seems like a lot, though. Yeah, it doesn't sound very fun. I'm not about to do that. Me either. We would be good at it, though. We would be. So, most of the people close to the case, specifically Christine's best friend, Linda Schalko, believe they know who committed the murder. So, you're just going to get even madder at this whole situation. Oh, okay. You see, Christine had suspected that she was being stalked prior to her death. Okay. She shared this information with her best friend, Linda, and even reported it to the campus police. Wow. So he wasn't suspect, or he, she wasn't suspect number one? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. She believed someone had been lying in wait under her window on numerous occasions and was even making mysterious phone calls to her. Niels Bjorn Jorgensen reportedly kept showing up when Christine tried to go to the library and she was avoiding him as much as possible. So she had told Linda, like, this dude is following me everywhere I go. I tried to go to the library. He's popping up. I saw him underneath my window. Like, I'm pretty sure it's him calling me. So she went to campus police and told them the same thing. He's following me everywhere. I'm really uncomfortable. I think he's stalking me. There had been break-ins into her room no. where nothing was stolen. No. When she reported everything that was going on, campus police told her to get a whistle so she could no. alert someone if she was attacked. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. Isn't and- that your job to not have a, a student feel like they are not being protected? Like you are supposed... That's your job. Your security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She would be dead a week later after making these reports and being told to get a whistle. These fuckers. Within a week, she was dead. Oh, I'd be so mad. Yeah. And remember those lovely cops who showed up on the scene? Mm. Yep. It was the same two she had reported her concerns to. Wow. Mm-hmm. They just bungled the whole thing. Yeah, from day one. Mm-hmm. So Mark Arnfield, author of Mad City wrote a book describing the acts that he believes have been committed by Niels. In the book, he describes why he thinks it was wrong to lump Christine's case in with the other capital city killings. He goes on to compare Niels to H.H. Holmes because of the way he targeted areas where people would be unfamiliar with their surroundings. There was also another murder very similar to Christine's at Niels' school while he was there. So the school that he went to before he moved to Madison, there was a murder that was very similar to her murder. Yikes. Mm-hmm. He also reportedly pulled a gun out at work on the same day of Christine's murder. And a gun would account for the lack of a struggle or her screaming at the crime scene. Oh. Like, if he walked up on her with a gun. Right. Like, but oh, how- come over here and talk to me. Oh, oh, yes, that does make sense. But I also thought, was she not gagged? Well, yeah, her gloves were shoved in, down her throat That's- at some point, and okay. she was strangled and stabbed. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Yeah. So, and one of the other things is, he was working as a medical student of some kind at the hospital right by the campus. So 
There was a witness stating that they saw him at the hospital cleaning his scalpel that day with a method that would erase any blood in DNA. And this person reported this right away. Because I don't know who he pulled the gun on at work. I couldn't find any more details about that. Mm -hmm. But he pulled a gun on somebody at work that day at the hospital. And then was seen cleaning the scalpel. No. Mm -hmm. So the police tried one time to track Niels down at Linda's insistence, but they were unable to do so. Linda, on the other hand, was not was able to not only keep track of Niels' whereabouts, but also warn people about his location and his alleged crimes. She was tenacious. She followed him around the country, telling people he kills women, stay away from him. Holy shit, she had some fucking balls she does she never stopped trying to prove that he's the one that killed her best friend oh my god love her a lot of people believe that her actions are the reason that he didn't have more victims wow because she was just like i'm not dealing with your shit she's a g she is and niels has now died so if he was the killer he'll never be brought to justice and they don't have any evidence. Right. So that's... This case made me so mad. I'm very upset. I'm very, very upset. I could not believe, like... If people tell you... If a woman tells you that she's being stalked and she is scared, do not tell her to get a fucking whistle. No. No. Like, how Say hard would it be to who, switch her rooms? Right. Or, who is this? Let's apprehend this person yeah there's give them consequences let's look into this further mm-hmm. let's make sure that you feel comfortable where you're paying tuition yeah you're going to school like this this isn't just a, like a a club that she signed up for she's literally going to study yeah like why can't that be a secure place where you can I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. And I know people will be like, oh, well, you know, it was the late 60s and things are safer. They're not. No. No. They're not. So I feel like they should have moved her to like an upper level room. Why are you on the ground floor and you're being socked and somebody's outside your window? Or just like walking her more often. It's like, okay, let's just like walk you uh, maybe for a week just to see if we notice anything like anything or can you tell me who this is maybe we can sit down with them not with you but like yeah see like what the fuck is up yeah i have some like say if you keep doing this you're gonna get expelled or something like that like yeah. give them some consequences women don't just say these things for attention absolutely not and get a whistle that get a whistle if this is your fault like handle your own mm-hmm. you were asking for it and then they wonder why so many women are like i'm just I'll just deal with it myself because mm-hmm. you say something and this is the reaction you get. Right. Where they always, I, I, it turns my stomach when I see like somebody basically blaming the victims like, well, they should have done this mm-hmm. or they shouldn't have been wearing that or what yeah. did they do to cause all this? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. They don't deserve any of the, the horrificness that happens to them. No. And never do. Mm-mm. Yeah, so that is my story. Oh, that's an aggravating story. It was aggravating when I was reading about it. I'm glad you told it because, like I say in almost all of our episodes, I did not know that one. Yeah. 
So I was like, I want to look into the murders in Madison because there's so many. So many, yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And you pay so much to go to school there. Mm-hmm. And then That's why I say, like, you can't do your job that I, like, require you to, to like, keep me safe here where I'm yeah. paying thousands and thousands of dollars to be here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. I know they're doing a lot more now. Like, they... I forget, like, what um, they're doing now. But, like, I know they have, like, little, uh, like, cabbies for, for like, the security officers there on campus to, like, golf cart you around. Yeah. And yeah. they have, like, I don't know, some some stuff that it's, like, a step up. Yeah. Which is good. But people still have to believe women when they say the oh, things. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. otherwise, it doesn't matter how many things we put into place if they're just gonna be like oh she's right. just dramatic right or like it's all in her head or mm-hmm. deal with it like yourself. he just likes you it's not really a big deal right like no like if i'm feeling uncomfortable and a, a man is standing under my window and i didn't ask him to be there <laughs> like it ain't cute okay it's not it's not cute you're if not you're under my window uninvited you may die right yeah <laughs> there will be consequences yes <laughs> Like a TV on your head. <laughs> yeah. I was imagining like a cartoon, like a giant anvil falling off the window. Something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So don't try to come under our windows. Please don't because I, I don't know, I'll do something new. I am well armed. I got a dog. <laughs> I will come to Mim's house and protect her as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. I have one little shout out. Do you have any shout outs? I don't. Okay. I just found out that my brother, I call him my, my straight up brother. He's my brother-in-law. Mm-hmm. He is the most like, does not like true crime. Does not like anything that we like. Anything we talk about. Like <laughs> nothing. And he told me that he has listened to our episodes and I was oh like, God. I'm like, but you don't like this. He's like, but I love you. And I'm like, that is so sweet. <laughs> My heart. So he's listened to a few episodes of ours. So I just want to give him a shout out. He has his own YouTube and it's called Wild Gear. He is the most wild man <laughs> out there. So it's fitting. He like puts up videos. Like I see that he has like his Alaskan trip. Um, he does like a lot of primitive camping, so he'll give you like the how to's on that. Um, so check him out. I'll put his link in our, in our show notes. If you want to take a look at what he's got going on, he's pretty crazy. That's an awesome brother to have Um, though. Like I don't like true crime, but I love you. So I listen anyway. He's just horrified each like time he listens. (laughs) And he's just like, he's like having nightmares now. (laughs) But I love her, so I'm gonna just do it. <laughs> okay. Oh god, I love, that I love so you. Sweet. I love all of our listeners that put I up with too. us, and yeah, even if like you don't like our content and you're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you're here. If I, you don't like us. But but, <laughs> um, I uh, guess. I guess we'll take you. <laughs> Man, the haters these days. I know the haters. Had, like, we call sh- that one hater out, and it's like it. You know? Yeah. I've had a lot of haters just all around lately. I'm like, wow, I don't... I must be leveling up or something. You must be, because... The hate They has only been, come out when... The hate has been strong. They, yeah, well, you know what? It's just a lot of foolishness is what it is. 
It is foolishness. So I appreciate the people that tune in and love us. Yeah, and love us and are here for us because we love you. So Yeah, I love doing this. Yeah, I do too. Send in your stories, your center Ooh, tales. I have somebody that's going to send us a good one. Ooh, I'm excited for it. Yeah. Uh, so you can do that uh, directly through like our uh, messenger on Facebook, Instagram, our email, all the sins of wi wisconsin at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, anything interesting that's happened to you, Psycho X. Yeah, and let us know that we can share your story and oh, yeah. your name. Yeah, yeah, because that gets confusing sometimes if you don't say it and then we accidentally say it or, you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's it for me. Yeah, me too. We love you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love. If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your sinner tales at allthesinsofwi at gmail.com. Episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, forget, we we love you. you.